Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Mervyn Sunbow. The parable of the sower. A parable is a story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. A parable in the, in a, in the Greek uh, meaning is uh, means comparison. And Jesus was the best teacher the world has ever known. And in many of his teaching, he used parables. When asked by his disciples why he spoke in parables, he said there were many who had eyes but could not see and ears but they could not hear. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Found in Matthew 13, 16, Jesus spoke mysteries of the kingdom of God, and it was by the Spirit of God that some of his hearers understood and grasped the magnitude of his words. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 3 to 9, we read the parable of of a sower who goes out to sow seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up. But because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The explanation of the parable in Matthew 13, 19-23, reveals the analogy between the natural seed and the spiritual seed and the application of the natural to the spiritual. In the spiritual sense, Jesus is the sower, and the seed is the word of God. We read the account as follows. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what, he was, what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately he receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when the tribulation and persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60, some 30. 
the penetrating power of the word of God is expressed in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Similarly, Isaiah 55.11 speaks of the unfailing power of the word of God to accomplish exactly what it is designed to fulfill. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or unfruitful, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I think this parable is saying that we will have the ability, that we all have the ability to receive spiritual seed from the word of God. But the reception of the message is dependent on the condition of our hearts. The soil of our hearts must be ready to receive the seed. The fallow ground must be broken up. It must be tilled. It must be cultivated in order for the seed of God's word to be sown in fertile soil. Jeremiah 4.3 says, Break up your fallow ground or your untilled ground and do not sow among thorns. Seed that falls by the wayside, that is on hard packed soil, on stony places, very little soil, and among thorns has little chance of germinating, taking root, and producing a crop. Hosea 10.12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. I was thinking of ways in which up the fallow ground of our hearts so that the seed of the word of God might be fruitful and productive. Here are some thoughts for your consideration. Number one, we prepare our hearts through communication with God which includes prayer, praise, thankfulness, singing, and speaking in tongues, the heavenly language. I think that during these past two years, we have likely experienced more of all of these things as we have maybe prayed more, praised more, found more thankfulness in our hearts. We have sung songs that keep coming to us day by day and that the heavenly language has been on our lips. A second point I would like to make is that we prepare our hearts by looking for opportunities for the gifts of the spirit to operate. 
both inside and outside the church. In order that our ministries may bear fruit, we can make a difference in the lives of others when the beauty of Jesus, that is the attributes of Christ, are manifest in and through us by those gifts that the Holy Spirit has imparted to us by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. A third point, we prepare our hearts by fostering good relationships with our natural families, our spiritual family, the church, and with those we do business with and those we meet along the pathway of our lives. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Our God is a God of peace. And we should be peaceable people. A fourth and last point, although there may be many more of these, these are just the ones that came to me as I was thinking about this. We prepare our hearts for participation along with the body of Christ in our church services. As is expressed in, in, in Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, that is by what every person supplies, by what every member supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Then found in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, and I have paraphrased this. It isn't exactly the way you will find it in your Bible. But basically this scripture is saying, when you come together, each of you has something to contribute for the growth and edification of the body of members present. Jesus is looking for receptive hearts. Hearts to plant the seed of his love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. In the latter part of May, here in North Battleford, I know this will be different in various parts of even our country, and certainly much different in the U.S., but here in, in North Battleford in the latter part of May, we plant our garden. The soil will be well tilled before we start, and there will be no weeds in sight. I use the term in sight because we know the, the weed seeds are there, and they will manifest themselves throughout the growing season. They will have to be dealt with as they surface. 
it is better to destroy them when they are small rather than waiting until they are well rooted. The garden will have to be tended under the watchful eye of the gardener if there is to be an abundant harvest. Our hearts are the gardens of the Lord. And we have the responsibility of tending them. I am reminded of a short but powerful statement of an, un, of an unknown author. Four lines. Your mind is the garden. Your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers or you can grow weeds. Fertile soil has the ability to grow weeds just as readily as it grows flowers or productive crops. We have fairly fertile ground here in North Battleford where we grow our gardens, but I'll tell you, you can grow a crop of weeds very easily on, in that fertile ground if you don't tend to what you've planted. How easy it is to grow a weed with a negative thought, an unkind word, or a thoughtless deed. It is the root of bitterness springing up that causes trouble, and by this many become defiled, found in Hebrews 12, 15. But similarly, we can grow flowers with positive thoughts, kind words, and helpful deeds. I am amazed at how forgiving plants and animals can be. They can suffer abuse and yet respond quickly and easily to nourishment and kindness. We humans can take a lesson from their willingness to forgive. Mark Twain said, Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Forgiveness is that which we give to ourselves. Let us be known for our forgiving attitude. Let us be known for our reconciling spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We were once enemies of God, but now we are reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Reconciliation brings peace where there was once animosity. Praise the Lord. My wife, Irene, receives a monthly publication from the Samaritan's Purse International Relief Organization. And in a recent publication, there was a writing that caught my eye. While no author is given, 
It is titled From Garden to Kingdom. And this is how it goes. Little seeds buried in freshly turned earth, watered, encouraged, spring from darkness to light, a miracle, tended, nurtured, the plants grow green and strong, blossoming, flourishing seeds, now producing their fruit, ripened, harvested, washed, ready to eat, or prepared for market, blessings, gospel seeds, hearts open to good news, the call moves stones, come forth, the Lord says, born again, new life blooms, faith grows, sisters and brothers together, the kingdom comes. In that last line, as I read it, the kingdom comes, I just thought I would give you a couple of scriptures regarding the kingdom of God. Found The first found in Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the second one is found in Luke 17, 20 and 21. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is not observed with the natural eye, but rather it is that which is seen by the spirit, known with the heart, and established within. I'll conclude this message by reading to you something that I'm sure you are all familiar with, but it may bear repeating because it is quite a powerful prayer written uh, by uh, St. Francis of Assisi called the Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi and often referred to it as a prayer for peace. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we pardon, 
and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. I was rather amazed to find out when I did a little bit of research on this particular man that he lived in the 1200s. And I'm thinking, you know, that's quite a while ago. But that message, that prayer is as good today as it was when it was penned some hundreds of years ago. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.